is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Listening to Short Bus Cinema. I'm your host, Johnny Krug, with my co-host Rick Morgan. How's it going, man? Hey, hey, man. Welcome to Short Bus Cinema, the show with the coolest opening theme song ever. It's pretty rad. I love I like that song. <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, today's gonna be a fun episode. Uh, again, uh, you know, we love to watch the movies you hate, and we are going to see where this movie adds up as far as the the bus system goes, the busing system. <laughs> oh yeah. The busing system. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, today we're talking about Ninja 3, The Domination, which, don't worry, if you haven't seen the first two Ninja movies, or even this one, you're not going to be lost in any way. Or you might be completely lost in a lot of ways. <laughs> the first two movies really have nothing to do with it. I mean, these were Golem Globus movies from, you know, like canon movies from back in the 80s. And the first two were actual, like, Ninja movies. This one is not based on it at all. I think they were just cashing in on the whole Ninja. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And the fact that they must they must have had Lucinda Dickey under a contract. Oh, yeah. Well, she was hot commodity at the time. And, of course, with the ninja movies, the only thing that is any kind of continuity between them was Shokasugi, which was the main ninja that's you know in all three of these. So that's the only tie that has anything to do with this movie. But basically they said, let's take, uh, let's take uh, the biggest movie of the time, which was Flashdance, and let's have some exorcist stuff in there and some ninjas. Boom! Ninja 3. That's what you get. I really feel like Golden Globe is sat in a room with a dartboard and just different stuff on there. And it was like, all right, we just hit that. Let's go ahead and put a demon possession in the movie. And uh, we, were, we were doing ninjas, right? So, so. <laughs> I think they pretty much ran their whole company that way. <laughs> that, that, that's what happened before first break. <laughs> Oh man, I, 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 if any of you haven't seen the movie, it's streaming on Netflix, Electric Boogaloo, the story of Golan Globus. It, it, have you seen it, Rick? Oh, it's incredible. It is so good. It's such a good documentary. It's, it's two hours long, but it doesn't feel like two hours long. It is such an incredible, zany story about how these movies were made and, and just how the company basically went under eventually just because of uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It, it really is, and and it's just, it, it's it's the dream, man. I mean, they they did what everybody wants to do. That's fascinated with film, and they cranked out a lot of crap, but it's memorable crap. <laughs> I mean, oh, know, in such a short time too. They did it in like no time at all. Nonstop, man. Just breakneck speed, cranking out this stuff. And and I'll be honest, man. 
I love Ninja 3. It is bad. Everything about it is bad. But the movie is so crazy and over the top, you can't help it but, but admire it. Well, the fact that a movie like this, it, it has cinematic appeal to where you can see this being shown in you know, movie theaters nationwide. But at the same time, the idea behind it and just the, the just everything that this movie has, because it, it has a lot of weird stuff we're going to get into once we start talking about the movie. But I think it's a, it is a really fun movie. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's probably a little bit more serious than our previous episode <laughs> as far as uh, the, the tone of the movie. But as far as the content, it's still just as wacky. Well, I believe there was a script for this one, so that does help. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. I did, it did seem like they weren't just spouting dialogue off they thought sounded cool. <laughs> Although, I think we're going to miss the black gift from the last movie. <laughs> yes, we will. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere in here. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, if you have nothing else, we can go ahead and take a quick break and then we can come back and start talking about Ninja 3. Sounds great. Word. <laughs> we'll be right back. Get out of the way! Do you desire to add yet another entry in the endless legion of film review podcasts to your playlist? Can you not stand the thought of having any moment of your dull, pointless, waking life intruded upon with the sounds from the real world, and would prefer to listen to a small cast of assholes talk about movies? Then, they must be destroyed on sight! Probably meets your bare minimum requirements. Join Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest hosts as they talk about films from every genre, ranging from the obscure and schlocky to the well-known top-dollar classics. Look for... They Must Be Destroyed On Sight! On iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and Facebook. That's... They Must Be Destroyed On Sight! with Ninja 3, The Domination from 1984. 1984, the same year Lucinda Dickey was also in the very first break-in movie from the same company, which is why I think they might have her under contract. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, like, like we said earlier, she was a hot commodity at the time. I mean, we're still talking about her today. Even though she was in this movie, we all know who Lucinda Dickey is. I think about her daily, I think. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this movie was directed by Sam Furstenberg, who basically his big movies were American Ninja, American Ninja 2, and Revenge of the Ninjas. So I don't know if you guys see any kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, connection there between all of his movies or interests. But he eventually did go on to do like Cyborg Cop, Cyborg Cop 2. Those movies are, I think, American Ninja, things like that. And like uh, this movie, they show a lot more of his talent than movies like Cyborg Cop. <laughs> Yeah. But he definitely had a passion for martial arts. Yeah, it's just like he cranked out a bunch of them. <laughs> well, this movie was actually written by a guy named James R. Silky, or Silky, and uh, he did. The, he wrote the Barbarians, King Solomon's Mines, and Revenge of the Ninja. So apparently, he worked with that director multiple times too. Yeah, sounds like he was a a canon guy all the way through. <laughs> it's like he wrote a lot of their stuff. It was probably the height of yeah, the height of his career too. I mean, 
because it looks like later on in his career he did a lot of those straight to um, straight to DVD movies like Spiders and things like that that were you know when they were doing all the animal attack movies that just every director David Dakota they were all just attaching themselves to Jim Wynorski yeah well, wow! I'm, I'm naming directors that are definitely going to be on the show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not we're not getting too far off the path for sure. <laughs> well, this movie stars uh, Sho Kasugi, who is the actor that uh, Rick mentioned was basically the connection between the three ninja movies. Not the three ninjas, but the three, these three ninja movies. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, could be on the show too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't think I, I I totally forgot about you know Three Ninjas Surfs Up or whatever. <laughs> but this movie stars Lucinda Dickey, uh, and I would say the only other big actor in this is Jordan Bennett. Well, I say big actor, main character. That's yeah. He plays uh, kind of love interest in this. Yeah, but love interest, werewolf, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> It does briefly uh, have James Hong in it, who um, caught me off guard because I'd really never noticed that he was in this movie before the viewing recently. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's the he's the uh, the ninja exorcist. <laughs> he is a he is a oh yeah he is a prolific actor. He's is a fantastic actor. Well, there's a scene later in this movie too where he's being like. Um, you know, forces are pulling him up the wall. Right. And I guarantee you that was the same one that Cannon used for the break-in set when the room was spinning around and they used for Elm Street 1. Because they reused everything. And probably uh, uh, Lionel Richie doing Dancing on the Ceiling. It's probably all the same the same tech that they used. Same time, too. Yeah, they were all yep. kind of in the same like year, year and a half of each other. <laughs> but So this movie starts off with a just... I have it written down as a balls out ninja versus everyone scene it basically there's a bunch of like kind of older they look like businessmen or something on a golf course and this is one thing they never really come back and explain in this movie but you see them being stalked through these like palmetto bushes by a ninja until he finally comes out basically one of the guys hits the golf ball over there by where he's at and when they find the ninja he crushes the golf ball basically into dust and stabs the guy and the next thing you know it's these uppity businessmen versus a ninja yeah yeah and, Which, and, to me it's wild it's it's just crazy ninja nonsense i love the fact of before all this you kind of see him becoming this ninja that's going to go cause all this chaos and he goes in this cave it's like the bat cave or something and he goes down in there and he's dressed like don johnson so i refer to this guy as don johnson the ninja the whole time because he's wearing the like the white jacket and the white pants so he's all like slick and he goes into this cave and hits a button and all of his arsenal is there and he puts on the suit and decides hey I'm a ninja. Where do ninjas go to, to kill a bunch of people? Golf courses, of course. So he just goes and, I mean, he's wearing these folks out. Now, I can't figure out if ninjas just hate balls, because that's kind of an <laughs> ongoing theme in this movie, or they just hate everybody. <laughs> well, that's why this movie, like, it never really touches back on the fact, because when, when he basically kills this entire group of golfers, including the woman, which I felt kind of bad for her, yeah. <laughs> they try to outrun him in a golf cart. <laughs> he's, he's literally basically almost walking by, by them. <laughs> and he picks up the rear end of the golf cart with one arm, right? And he's holding it up in the air to keep yeah. it from going anywhere. And I'm like, dude, it's a golf cart. It can only go, what, five miles an hour? They're not going to get that far away. You could probably just throw your sword at them or throw a rock and hit them in the head. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> 
when he hit when he stabs that woman, it's like it looks like he start stabbed her in the armpit and she dies. Is that like an artery I don't know about or something? Yeah. Well, ninjas, man, you know they they know things we don't know. Oh yeah. Oh, you will get through that. You will get into some of that. They know a lot of stuff. <laughs> they had to break up dance sessions and everything. But so whenever uh, the the bodies of the the golfers are found, these security guys get on the the walkie-talkie and they say that there are dead bodies here, and and they mention that's a scientist. And and I thought that was going to come back and have some kind of point, like maybe he was like engineered or something, or something happened. No, it was just nope. a random scientist he killed. Nope. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> never it comes matter. back. Yeah. He just had to have some reason for him to have the the bodyguards. That's the, that was it. Well, he can't be a politician because uh, that's been done. Uh, he's not the president. Uh, he's a scientist. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> well, and and those you know you see a guy show up with a sword and all you have are golf clubs and stuff. They, those guys seem really eager to fight him. Right. Yeah. I like mean, a little too eager to fight a guy who's got a giant katana sword. That happens several times in this movie too. I mean, you know, your your security guards and your cops, you have firearms on you. But you'd rather fight with, you know, clubs or <laughs> something like that. And I'm just going, dude, you know. And I know it's just so they can build up some action because the ninja's bad. But because, you know, he can just get shot and hopefully that would kill the ninja. But no, let's not shoot him. Let's uh, let's let him slice and dice everybody first. Well, I think, honestly, I think a lot of the budget for this movie went into this opening scene as far as oh, how man. many how many cops actually show up at this point, and he takes on oh, all of them. I mean, they're, they're helicopter cops. They're cops on motorcycles and cars. Every one of them's got weapons. I mean, right. the extras in the scene, was they, it was insane, the amount of them. Right, and, of course, we covered this on Hell Ming as well because we love this movie, but we, we always said that the reason to watch this movie is the first 15 minutes because after you watch the first 15 minutes, you're going to watch the rest of this movie because you got to figure out what else is going to happen because so much happens in the first 15 minutes that you can't even write it down fast enough. You go from him him riding on top of a cop car. He's, he's running from the cars, from the cops and the cars, and they're chasing him, and he does a backflip on top of the car, and he rams his sword down one side and kills the passenger cop, and then he rams his fist through the roof and kills the other cop. Then he flips off of it while it goes off in a, a lake, and he, you know, grapple hooks to the top, and then he attacks a helicopter. Literally. Oh, that 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 Chinese star that he that ninja star that he has in his shoe and he scissor kicks that that helicopter pilot in the throat. Yeah, man, it was and amazing. The, the 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 ninja star goes right in the temple of the guy's head, which is the longest. That whole scene with the helicopter is just flying amok because they just killed the pilot. It takes that helicopter forever to crash because it's dodging things and there's nobody flying it. <laughs> so I don't know if they really thought that out very well, but <laughs> I was just noticing that. I was like, man, that thing should have just went straight into the water when that happened. But uh, no, it flew off about, you know, half a mile and then crashed on the other side of a mountain so you don't see it blow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. It was done really well, actually. I was waiting for it because it did take. It seemed like this viewing. It did take a lot longer than I ever noticed to crash. But I'm telling you, man, you want some ninja action? First fifteen this minutes of this movie is just gonna lay you out, man. It's it's really impressive in a weird cheesy kind of way. <laughs> well, he he ends up in the middle of this like group of cops, and he, he kills most of them. But how many bullets do you think they put in him in that scene? Man, they're just pumping. I mean, uh, go. I mean. So many shots, and and they've all got him surrounded. How are they not hitting the other cops? Because they're all in a circle, shooting at the guy in the middle, and just blasting. You, know, <laughs> how are they not shooting the other cops on the other side? I mean, it's 
know. that's gonna be a lot of paperwork at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we should see that you shot Deputy uh, Calhoun. Uh, did you mean to shoot him in the face? <laughs> I was aiming at the ninja. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but there was a ninja. Yeah. I like this scene. I, I like this because they do the whole like it reminded me of Ninja Turtles too. He did the whole ninja vanish thing, right? And the cops. Son of a bitch! <laughs> Let's go get him. <laughs> they don't think about just staying anywhere in that vicinity, so they all leave. And of course, he he burrowed into the ground like right. I don't know, like a hedgehog or something. Yeah, man, just down into the gravel, and he comes popping back up. Of course, he's been shot all to pieces and stuff. But uh, uh, another thing that we forgot to mention is what ninjas are known for is their photographic memory. <laughs> Because <laughs> they can remember every individual person that shot them in slow motion. Oh, they're good with faces. I'll, I'll work with somebody for a whole year, and I'll see them maybe twice a week, So, and I still don't know their name. This guy has got, like, he's got an identic memory, just everything. So it cuts to, uh, we, we see a, a telephone line worker. It's the main girl in this movie, Lucinda Dickey. Play, uh, her character's called Christy. And she sees the injured ninja, so obviously as a decent human being, she goes to help. She doesn't realize this guy is going to be a pain in her ass for the rest of her life. Well, the funny thing about it is she's up on the pole, and and, oh. and how about that song, man? Oh, <laughs> kind of goes great. like. So the, the funny thing about it is she's up there and you kind of got this montage music going on while she's working and she sees the ninja running by down there on the ground so she climbs down and you expect the music tech to fade off. No, man, she's got a jam box beside her. She, she's playing <laughs> She's playing the music while she's working and I just bust out laughing every time I see that, man, because it oh, sounds yeah. like a big montage song and it's just a little jam box sitting there and she just clicks it off. <laughs> Oh man, I love this. This is great because she she gets into like kind of a little uh, tussle with him, right? But yeah. It's like, but, it, he, but it's like he's trying to like convince her after their 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 sort of fight assault that uh, he's speaking to her in Japanese and and somehow it's it's affecting her. Yeah, and. Basically, what happens then is uh, is that when she gets, that's when she gets the sword, right? Yeah, he gives her the sword, and she starts having all the flashbacks of all the cops. All of a sudden, it's like uh, you know, he, yeah. it's almost like every time getting, she sees him, you're getting the whole story of what happened to him just recently because of his photographic memory. And she just <laughs> she's got the sword, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I, I don't know what just happened." That'd be cool if that happened to me, except for instead of a ninja, it was some person who just inserted like the entire series of Alf into my brain. <laughs> She she ends up going to the police, and it doesn't occur to me late, until later in the movie that they actually did find the body that she goes to the police about. Because you, later, you know, you see it in the morgue and everything. But did they? I mean, did they say anything about collecting it? Or I thought she was just telling them. Yeah, she was just saying that here's what happened, and of course, you know, the guy thinks she's full of it or whatever. But they've got more important things to worry about, like you know, the prostitutes that are back there in the background who's just trying to make a living. You know. Yeah. <laughs> she's in there also. She's trying. She's had a pretty serious day, you know, seeing somebody practically die and hand her a sword and getting all his visions. But she she's getting hit on by this cop who offers her, you know, and um, they made sure to front face the Coke label <laughs> when he's handing it to her. But she, she doesn't she, she doesn't drink soda because she's and, a, uh, she's she's a health nut. Well, that's what she does for a living. She's basically like an aerobics instructor. Of course, because that's that's the whole point of this movie. Right. <laughs> 
because <laughs> it ties in so well with what else is going on. I mean, yeah, why would you not be an an, an aerobics instructor and a pole climber? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that guy though. I like that cop, and you know, his name is Billy. He's he's basically the love interest in this movie. But I like him because, you know, there's a scene where she goes back to her apartment and her roommate finds the sword and is like, "What the hell's going on?" Right. <laughs> but she doesn't have time to explain anything. She has to go get her uh, aerobics class going, and she gets there, and it's this class full of nice-looking women. Of course, they have all the men's workout equipment directly facing <laughs> their asses. Yeah, that's what I was uh, saying. You got all the buffoons over there, and they're making faces watching the girls exercise while they're pumping iron. <laughs> and none of the girls are, well, none of them are robotizing to the music. I mean, it's totally off off time. I like that you see the, the, the at first I, I consider him kind of a stalker, the cop Billy, but you see him in the middle of this just gaggle of women, and he's just struggling to keep up until he collapses pretty much on the floor. So he's trying to make an impression on her. He likes her even though the you know he thinks her story is a bunch of a bull crap you know but uh going outside of there you've got where you know there's a girl that's being attacked by some of the buffoons and in broad daylight yeah man they don't care i mean they're you know they're big muscular guys and i love the fact of you know you're a threatening person when you're wearing a sweatshirt sweatpants a headband and a scarf that or your olivia Newton john <laughs> <laughs> so not the most uh toughest looking guys that are you know trying to get these women to submit to them any way they can so i i i like that scene though because it kind of shows you how how tough she is really she breaks up the assault as she you know kicks some ass and then billy ends up taking her home but it's almost by force he he at first he tells her everything you know and I, it's a little bit of abuse of power <laughs> How about that car, too, man? He was spraying for mosquitoes, for sure, man. He's driving down through that, through that lane, and you just see this big fog behind him <laughs> coming out of the car. <laughs> oh, man. These movies both had some pretty some pretty bitching com- or, uh, convertibles in them. <laughs> yes. But he basically, yeah, I mean, she wants nothing to do with him, so he kind of makes a... He threatens to arrest her. <laughs> right. And... Uh, th- and then she's like, well, you know, she doesn't drink coffee. She's like, you can come to my house and have a V8, which <laughs> this movie goes, this movie goes places that are pretty awesome because it cuts back to her apartment. They both change clothes, except for she's in a towel right. and she will, he's about to drink a V8 and she walks up and seduces him, but <laughs> she does it by pouring the V8 straight down her chest <laughs> And I actually had a similar situation happen to me, but it was with prune juice. But, you know, it's really hard to seduce old ladies. (laughs) Oh, where's my (laughs) Geritol? Ethel was pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Not cold Ethel, I hope. (laughs) No, I really did like this V8 seduction scene because the very first time I saw this movie back in the day, I was like, there's no way that she's going to, like, go for this dweeb. I, I thought at that point she was just going to kill him when I first saw this. And then, <laughs> no, it turns out he actually is the love interest. It's not just a, a, a you know, a yeah, distraction. Man. She just couldn't wait. She wanted to run her fingers through his back hair. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Wolf Cop, man. This guy was it before the movie came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty bad. <laughs> I was wondering why you said werewolf earlier because I was like, where's he going with that? But no, it's pretty bad. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like you could comb the stuff, man. And it just, you know, he's wearing a wife beater and this hair's just standing up. It's 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 nasty. It's nasty. You could braid his chest hair like Tootie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. And of course, 
He spends the night, and this is where the fun starts because she wakes up in the middle of the night, and a room looks like a Def Leppard concert. Right? Yeah, man, it's pretty pretty cool, man. And I did have that in my notes, man. Coolest house ever, man. If I if I was a young single person, that would been the coolest house on the planet. Well, she had a, a payphone, an old school payphone. She had a, a a video game machine, a game bouncer, or was a bouncer, right? Yeah, yeah. But and she had a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, but all, all of a sudden she wakes up and there's something going on. Her closet opens up, and there's the floating sword. Man, the ninja sword comes out, and it starts off like a really cool effect until they linger on it too long, and then you can see the sword just start swinging back and forth, because obviously it's just hung on a piece of wire, and it just starts kind of doing this weird little shaky dance where they just moved it too fast, and they they just keep filming it. <laughs> That's when your, your set extra is just kind of getting tired, his arms getting tired of dangling it. <laughs> Man, the sword weighs 20 pounds on the end of this, on the end of this fishing pole. Somebody do something. <laughs> That was a great scene. He wakes up, and, and uh, again, when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, he's going to die now, but no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does not go down like that. Not yet. So, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> and and this will tie in. Well, I'll, I'll keep it for later, but, you know, the dude wakes up, and she's just standing there holding the sword, and he's like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> so if I just met a girl, and I went to her house, and we just did the deed, and then I go to sleep, and I wake up, and she's standing there with a sword. I'd be a little worried. Instead, he's like, bitch and sword. Right. <laughs> Where'd you get that, man? <laughs> she says something about hanging it on the wall. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's something, yeah, I was thinking so, about hanging like it on that. the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote down that she got, she Christy gets bouncer fever, which was, it never caught on like Pac-Man fever because you kind of get possessed too by a ninja. There are a lot of really cool things. I mean, there's, there's one scene around that same time where the same kind of effect happens where she goes home and and the sword's floating out of the closet and stuff and she randomly just puts on music and starts dancing around slam until the man yeah the demon yeah the the (laughs) demon gets angry smashing up the radio oh man it's just you know the sword comes out it's like and i've got it on my notes as well that you know samurai sword the demon possessed samurai swords are not the best dance partners no that's that's definitely something you could have learned from this one. Oh. <laughs> it's flying around your room. So she's you know get- that girl at the beginning. Her roommate never comes back, does she? Ever the movie? Mm, no, she just she's gone. Maybe <laughs> she killed her too. I don't know. Yeah, because it was kind of pointless that that she was in that scene and then all of a sudden was never again. She just had to have somebody to talk to, I guess. In this point, that's where you get introduced to Shokasugi, though. This is when he starts coming in and he's visiting America from his homeland, and he's got this really really rad looking eye patch that he's wearing and you think man look at it it's kind of cool it's got the design on it no man what they did is they put a hole in it and they decorated around it (laughs) so he can see out of the thing when he's walking around (laughs) I was picking up on that because I'm like that design's a little bit too circular (laughs) yeah man we'll just dress it up and look real cool because you know you try to be a ninja and go around and do like you know, back kicks and kicking people in the face and you're wearing an eye patch. That could get pretty dangerous. Well, for the first little while he's in the movie, he's kind of just showing up after the fact of, of things that she's doing and noticing that, you know, that she may have this bad entity <laughs> occupying her because that's when he finally goes to see the body later on in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's, that's a little bit further, but... 
yeah, there's there's some some weird things of how he just shows up, and I mean it's like not even twenty seconds later and he's there, you know. <laughs> it's like she killed him and they're still dying. The blood is coming out and he shows up. And it's like hmm, somebody's been here. Well, I guess that's why she needed to date that cop because you know she needed to that way to get to the people that actually the ninja blames for his death. Because she starts noticing as she's spending more time at the police station, these all these faces, you know, people that were there the day he died. And the first one is the, like the older cop, the one who they focused on him a little bit earlier in the movie. He almost seemed like a captain or something, but I don't think he was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. All but I know. Is- he's at home playing pool in his underwear, which is just unsettling, too. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, again, I, 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 there's that combination of do ninjas hate balls because she picks up a pool ball and crushes it, or she cuts one in half with the sword. So I, I still get confused on do they hate the cops or do they hate the balls? Because there seems to be that relationship every time a cop gets killed. I can see that. I, I, I had heard that NWA used to actually be a bunch of ninjas when they first started. <laughs> That's why they had after the police. That's right. But yeah, she busts in, and what I but, what I love about it is ninjas are supposed to be like silent killers, and the first thing she does is goes, yeah. She does a lot of that in this movie. I guess they want to make sure you understand that it's her. <laughs> oh. And what I love about it is after all this happens. She goes home and she doesn't remember. She's supposed to go on a date with with uh, Wolf Cop, uh, George the Animal Steel. <laughs> and he and she's like, "Where were you at?" And she goes, "I I don't know. I I don't remember." She has one moment of not remembering what happened, and she immediately goes immediately goes to have a brain scan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the doctor's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, one time she forgets what happened, so we gotta go have a brain scan, just like that. It's not like something that kept reoccurring or she kept passing out. That's when he noticed that massive bruise, right? Right, yeah. And she's like, I don't know how I got that. But, uh, again, you can see where they're trying to take ideas from other movies. So you get the scene where, in The Exorcist, where she's acting odd, and they take her to the doctor they're doing all the scans. So you can see exactly where they're pulling this stuff from and trying to just integrate it into this movie. I think it's just hilarious that, you know, we got a ninja movie where she has to, she has to go have a brain scan. Because, well, right after this, she notices that other cop, the one who... <laughs> were those hookers with him? I don't know, man, but he looks like Grandpa off the Munsters. <laughs> and, oh. he, and he's walking out, and he's got a girl on each arm. And uh, apparently... And they're young girls. Yeah, apparently it wasn't a big deal in the 80s to be, you know, a Grandpa cop with with. with two girls on your arm so and uh you know he takes them back to jacuzzi land i guess i don't know where yeah i don't know where is. that was was yeah. it the station even the woman that's there don't even know because she even says when when lucinda shows up she goes what kind of place is this <laughs> like, well you should know and i love when she comes in she opens the door for lucinda to come in she goes oh come on in we could use some more towels <laughs> What? I imagine they were probably at like a really shifty YMCA back in the day. Oh, man. But uh, she comes in, man, and you can tell she's got that look in her eye, and she's going after Grandpa. And he's like, yeah, baby, come on down here in the water. And, man, you, you want to talk about a scene that could fit in pretty much any horror movie? 
this one is pretty good. It really is, and it's also slightly disturbing because whenever she goes to seduce him, or you know what they think is seducing him, it's like one girl's angry, and then she says, "Let's leave." The other was like, "No, let's watch." And I'm thinking, yeah. "What the hell's going on? <laughs> what kind of party is this?" But yeah, man, she gets to kissing on Grandpa, and she takes, she's got a ring, and she pulls the jewel off the ring, and there's a needle in there, and she pops him in the neck, which is obviously poison, kills him. Then she takes that ring and turns it around and just scratches across this woman's chest with with that that poison. I mean, it's just like holy crap, and then. Did she strangle the other woman or something? I mean, it's it's just brutal. Yeah, she did, but I don't know what she I don't know what she strangled her with. It was like some random wire or something in there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's what it was. It was like a like a cable that she had or something. And like I said, she gets out of the water. Doesn't doesn't even grab a towel. They're all floating. They're dead. She gets out, walks out the door, and immediately Shokasugi's there, and he's going, "Hmm, yeah, there's bodies." <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> How is he just 20 seconds behind every time? Well, and that's why it was kind of weird, too, that, you know, because it shows earlier in the movie him coming to town, and, and it's, you know, they make kind of a big deal out of him meeting with people and stuff, but they they never mention how he knows anything about her. Right, yeah. Like, well, he, he's just there. <laughs> yeah, and, and, of course, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't know, who knows? <laughs> there, there's no real reason for him to be there, except he has to fight her eventually, but I, I, I love there's a line, too, where... <laughs> she says, "I think he's he's trying to convince her to go see the Ninja Exorcist because they know something's wrong." And she goes, "I don't believe in ghosts or any of that kind of stuff." But you just had a floating samurai sword in your house. <laughs> <laughs> you you almost got pulled into your closet just like in Poltergeist. You, in, your sword came out while you were slam dancing. Your video game lit up like a, a Earth Wind and Fire concert. <laughs> Something weird is going on in your house, but she don't believe in that kind of stuff. <laughs> I like that you. I like that you say the Japanese exorcist, or is it? That's what you said, right? Yeah. Because I have it written down as the uh, Japanese spiritual advisor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's playing the role of the exorcist. I mean, he's you know doing all the ceremonial stuff and folks. Seriously, I mean, there's a lot to see in this movie, but if you watch one thing in this movie. You've got to see this exorcism, man. It, <laughs> it's it is, wild. It is so crazy that uh, there's you, the words coming out of our mouths are not even going to do it justice to what you see in this part of the movie. Because you can try, you can see they are trying their best to, to really show you something you've never seen before, or possibly seen before, just not in this manner. But it is straight up exorcist ripoff. But it's like, it's James Hong, which brought him up earlier, you know, from Big Trouble in Little China and everything else he's in. But the place that he's in looks like an extra set that was used for the Golden Child or something. Like an opium den, almost. And it's like, it's weird. It's like, well, is is this, just from the things they have hanging around, it's like, is this a ninja exorcism place or is it an S&M shop? I mean, there's some weird stuff going on in this place. And they take Lucinda. And also, they, that cop hands him a lot of money. I yeah, mean, he does. It looks like. I was like, did, where, did he get that off a of perp? Like, where the hell did he get all that money from? I don't know, but what I love about it, too, is at this point, right before this, to lead up to this, the, the cop goes, Ninja, I need to find out what that is. I'm like, you don't know what a ninja is? Your girlfriend's possessed, and you're worried about not knowing what a ninja is. Well, and, and he throws around, he, oh, I was cracking up, because he throws around that cop stuff a lot, too, because James Hong tells me, he's like, yeah. well, you know, there's no, some things I can't tell you, and he's like, what if I take you downtown? 
You use that for everything. You get dates to threaten exorcists. That's all he's got, man. I mean, he's a hairy dude. What I mean, what else can he do? <laughs> he's like, can I get a, can I get an extra side of a sauce? He's at Arby's. They're like, no. He's like, how about I take you downtown? <laughs> I mean, the only other threat is, hey, you want to ride my car and kill some mosquitoes? I mean, that's all he's got. All right, I guess he could take you out on a full moon and terrify you. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they tried their best to make this intense like The Exorcist, but it's not. <laughs> they got Lucinda chained up like King Kong. Hey, they got these big huge chains going across to her, holding her across her waist, and then they tie her hands up. And, I mean, the <laughs> things that happened in this part, man. Of course, she gets possessed. She starts talking in Japanese. Her eyes change, and the, the smoke and stuff's coming out of her mouth. I mean, very, very exorcist. But then all of a sudden, she breaks the, the restraints on her hands, and she just starts flipping in these chains. And it's spinning the, round and round and round. <laughs> it is one of the most outlandish things I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It's like one of those toys back in the day that you would like wind up the toy and watch the character the little figure spin. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> exactly like the what band. Like. So yeah, you gotta see the exorcist scene, man. I mean it's 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 worth even renting the movie and just getting to this part. Well basically yeah, you, we got to the point where they, they bring her out, but the uh, the <clears throat> the one eyed ninja who I didn't get his name in this movie, but is it the same what's his character? Yeah, I don't know, it's Shokasugi, that's all I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Basically, he follows her and he ends up stealing. That's when he steals the dead ninja's body. And then there we get that backstory that he murdered his father, and then that's how he lost his eye as well with a Chinese star or a throwing star. Yeah, they they held him down and or held him. A couple of guys held him, and the the evil ninja from this movie throws a throwing star and hits him in the eye. And that's the whole point of the revenge of this movie. Well, it almost makes you wonder. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, wow, man, we just got a I don't know three second flashback. And that's his reasoning for chasing him. I also want to say that, I mean, I know he's a ninja and all, but having a throwing star mounted on your belt buckle, I don't know that that's very safe, man. <laughs> yeah, there, there are several things in both in both of the first movies we've watched that are kind of like that. Like the guy, I, I don't know if it's this movie or if it was in our last episode with Samurai Cop, but there was one movie where the guy had two knives in his belt loop or in his, right. in his belt actually like inside his belt yeah that just seems like uh, something bad's gonna happen yeah you just turn the wrong way and oh my spleen you know (laughs) this is where this movie kind of it tries to recreate the the same action sequence that the the beginning of the movie did because right christy there's basically there's gonna be the funeral for the guy who died the old man in the pool you know playing pool in his underwear and Christy sees that two of the cops who were there, two of the other main cops, are actually going to be at that funeral that day. So, and this is this is the point when Billy's kind of catching on to everything, you know, thinking that she is 100% behind this, because he shows up. To the, he's the only person that shows up to the funeral that's not in uniform or right. He looks like he's basically going to the mall for the day. She she's scaling the tops of trees and sliding, you know, all these like zip lines with her sword, <laughs> and she lights them up, man. She's they're there, they're oh. reading the. They, they haven't even lowered the casket yet. She just starts lighting these fools up with a bow and arrow, just taking them out. And she takes out probably like five or six people immediately. Left and right, man. I mean, they're they're falling over the casket. <laughs> it's an people awesome People are hiding scene, behind man. cars like the widow and stuff. 
It's awesome. And and, and this becomes kind of like the beginning because yeah, it's, it's a, a police battle. I mean, she's on top of the police car doing those tricks. She jumps into a tree. She's climbing all these things. And, and there were some really cool things. Doesn't she swing down and, and like kick two motorcycle cops in the yeah. face? And, and, and that's the thing about it is, I mean, you're up there. They don't know where you are. If they don't see you, just let them go on by. But no, she has to swing down and kick them off the bikes too. I mean, it's like, hey, just just let them go. <laughs> well, I was going to say, they're, they're really terrible shots because right after that, and she climbs into that tree, she's not climbing super fast. And there's like three or four cops shooting at her. And then the, the fact of, again, like we said earlier, you've got all these guns, all this stuff. What do they do? Give me a baton. Everybody starts grabbing their baton so they can go out and fight hand-to-hand with a ninja that's been killing people left and right out of a tree with a bow and arrow. Not very smart. If I was a criminal, this is the town I would want to go because the cops are just so bad that you couldn't help but be a successful criminal, man. <laughs> They're just the dumbest <laughs> cops ever. And and I love it because they get their katanas to go out there, their, their nightsticks to, to fight her. And the reason why is so they can tear up some tombstones. And that's the whole reason of why they set this up, so they can go out there and do a little hand-to-hand, but when they can swing and miss her and hit a tombstone and break a corner off of it. And it's like, oh, man, come on. I did notice that tombstone was one of the people, like one of the executive producers' name or something on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I thought that was kind of funny because I, I, I made a mental note of that name as I was watching this movie. And then I, this cemetery fight's going on and they just start bashing that tombstone up. <laughs> Man. And then uh, during all that, that's when Shokasugi decides he's going to start chasing her. He chases to an abandoned house, which has a huge fence around it. Now, I'm talking a, I don't know, 15-foot fence that's up around it. And when they're running to it... When you're a ninja and you're running from Shokasugi, you never stop to see if if the gate is locked. You just go ahead and somersault over it. So they both somersault over it, go fight in the house. And while they're fighting, the cops pull up, and guess what? The gate's open. They could have just ran through the gate instead of doing the somersaults and all this stuff. I just that's just something I picked up on. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of when they were, were they were doing this pretty epic battle in this house was how this has to be the unsafest house on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> just everything in there's being destroyed and, and not very hard. I mean he 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 as soon as he walks in goes through a floorboard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean everything's just being demolished in the house. They're just ripping, you know, pieces of plywood off the house and throwing it at each other. I mean it's just it's a throwdown. <laughs> it's a really good it's a really good scene though, and and it ends with her fleeing the scene and uh, which is weird. Did he push her out of that window, or did she jump out of that window? He, he lets her go. He lets her go, because he, I guess at the time, he still doesn't know it's her, and he pulls her mask off, and then he hears the cop cars. Because the cops are such a threat, he decides <laughs> to let her go, I guess. <laughs> and so he, he uh, pretty much willingly, you know, goes with the cops. Yeah. And, and But he has this brief little backseat interrogation with Billy, because you want your deputy interviewing a, a murder, potential murder suspect in a squad car without a lawyer. So he's in there and he tells him to meet him at a place at a certain time and yeah and it's it's specifically he says get the girl and the sword and meet me at the old temple on the hill i'm like boy that narrows it down <laughs> <laughs> i wonder where this was shot i know it's shot in arizona i just wonder if it was like phoenix or somewhere that it's like the old temple on the hill in phoenix i just i was like how vague can that be man i mean what a different movie it'd be if they went to the wrong place <laughs> <laughs> i've got the next line it says show is showing out in the cop car so he starts knocking off the cops and just you know because he's a ninja he's a he's a bad dude so the cops finally did something right they're going to bring a guy in and they can't even do that he would even kind of give himself up willingly and then he just kills them all 
He didn't have to worry about uh, losing an eye, though, because he, you know, he already lost that eye. That's why he could keep sharp things under his eye patch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's it gonna do? You'll poke your eye out, kid. I like how though he he like hits one guy in the neck in the back seat, and then the other guy in the neck, and then the other guy, the the guy driving the car. The cop finally notices that both guys are sleeping, and he tells me, "Goes, oh, they're just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> they're just a sleeping. <laughs> they're just a sleeping. <laughs> Maybe they need it's- your black gift." <laughs> Oh man, that was it was a, that was actually pretty humorous to me. Like, I mean, and I think it was intentional. I think they actually remember sure. that to be funny. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> there are some things that you know <laughs> are unintentionally funny in this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's again, it's it's canon films. I mean, you're going to get a little bit of everything in these movies. So, so he's given instructions for for Wolf Cop to grab his girl and go to the old temple, <laughs> and uh, we've got to get to the temple so we can have the ultimate ninja showdown. So they're going to force the spirit out of. Lucinda Dickey and put it back into Don Johnson so they can fight. So, so you get, which is a pretty cool effect for the 80s, man, when the spirit's coming out and it's floating around. It's all, you know, hand drawn for sure. It's rotoscoped. But it looks pretty dang cool. Oh, it really did, actually. I mean, it was, it, it was, I don't know what to compare it to, but it was like that, that blue style animation. Right. It reminds me of in, in Conan when when he's dead and the spirits, the evil spirits, kind of come to get him and take him away. It's that same kind of effect where it's just you can tell it's just drawn onto the film. I but, love stuff like that. But it looks really, really cool, man. I I, I, I applaud him on that. I think it, it looks really, really cool. And then after that, when the spirit gets back in Don Johnson, he on the edge of the bed, he like levitates up like Nosferatu, and then it's on. One thing that I was confused about was it was kind of, I think, during and, and I think it happened before their battle and, and during, but the guys that were at the temple I thought were on the side of Shokazuki or right. Shou- Yeah, Shokazuki. And then they start fighting they start fighting him. Yeah, well he the, the ninja possesses all of them. So. Oh see I didn't I didn't get that. I didn't know that he possessed them all. I thought they were just like <laughs> they weren't really I thought I had missed something. It was in the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> If only, if only I had a samurai cop here to translate from right. Japanese for me. <laughs> that Omaha, Yamaha, whatever his name was, but he looked at all of them and said, "You're all my children now." And then they all start fighting. So <laughs> that would have been awesome, actually. <laughs> oh. This is a great little fight scene, though. It's it's cool because uh, and the whole time Lucinda Dickey has just knocked the hell out on the floor. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, you know, we we've seen the sword throughout the whole movie and you're getting to the big showdown between show and Don Johnson they even have to go fight outside because apparently the temple's not big enough for them to fight in but uh, we've seen this ninja sword slice people in the back and kill them instantly cut through cue balls and pool balls cut through all kinds of things cut through a stereo but it can't cut through a chain that Shokasuki's holding in his hand (laughs) so it's done all these things and you get to wear a basic piece of chain you know i guess that's the weakness of the sword it can't cut through it so show knew what what weapon to use against the the incredible possessed ninja sword (laughs) this was this was great and i liked how uh they're outside fighting outside of this temple and lucinda's lucinda uh lucinda dickie's character comes to and billy's there and and they're like it's almost like a moment of, of you know Realization that oh this is over we don't have to worry about anything and then all of a sudden you hear gunshots and stuff going on and explosions <laughs> and 
The next thing they do is they go to get in the middle of this this ancient ninja battle that's yeah. going on out there. Yeah. Why don't y'all just leave? Y'all have nothing left to yeah, do that's with this. What I said. Just get out of there. But no, you know what she does? She comes out there, and what does this movie have in common with the movie we just covered last week or last episode? Hair changes. <laughs> it's at this point, if you watch closely, that Lucinda's all of a sudden wearing a wig. <laughs> That's it's so funny to me. I mean, I, I didn't look in the the credits or not the credits, the trivia to see why she was. I I assume it's because she was doing Breaking Two. Because was it yeah. one one of the Breaking movies? She had shorter hair. Yeah. So she had the, you know she had the the little the little shortcut. So yeah, man, it's obviously a wig. But it doesn't stop her from killing Don Johnson. So during this whole time he's fighting Shokasugi, she's the one that grabs the sword and runs up to him and stabs him, and Don Johnson. Screws himself into the ground. Uh, that's right, folks. He screwed himself into the ground. Uh, no explanation. And apparently, when a ninja screws himself in the ground, it causes an earthquake. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making this up. This is the movie. You know, show Kasugi can do somersaults, catch a sword with his bare hands, but he can't climb a rope when there's an earthquake going on. I, yeah, he was having trouble, a lot of trouble. <laughs> At this point, you get the climax of, of the battle where, you know, you're fighting a guy that can make the earthquake by screwing himself in the ground. And he jumps up and grabs Shokasugi, who's still hanging on the rope because apparently guys with ninjas with one eye can't climb very good. And he holds on to him. And how do you stop an undead ninja? Man, you just pull out a little katana knife and you just stab him right square at the top of the head. And that's it, man. That's that's how you kill a possessed ninja. We've missed it the whole time. Kind of like when you shoot zombies in the head. Well, if you go up to the crown of the head and you jab a knife down through there, apparently that kills them. See, if only those cops earlier, instead of using their knife sticks and their billy right. clubs, they used, uh, you know, just tiny tiny knives in the skull. That's all they had to do, man. And then, then Don Johnson falls on the ground, and everybody's all happy, and you start getting the sunrise and the music happening, and everything's cool. And then just like Michael Myers, they look down there, and dude's gone. It's just his, his clothes and stuff still, right? Yeah. So he done stripped off naked and took off running. So next movie <laughs> is where they find a, a naked, uh, possessed ninja running around. I don't know what that one's called. Ninja. I wish it would have been Lucinda Dickey. <laughs> that would have made this movie much better if she were possessed and naked running around. <laughs> you know, we've spent almost an hour talking about it, and it's still not as entertaining as if you watch this movie yourself, man. It's a fun, fun movie. <laughs> oh, man. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. It's been a long time since I've watched it, so watching it again was... It was it was like watching it for the first time, almost. Yeah. Feels like the first time. It's funny because Lou Graham actually came over and watched it with me. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, he had to have a, a brain scan, too. I think he had a tumor or something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was mean. No, no, he really did. <laughs> I know. That, that's, why, that's why he left Warner. <laughs> the stuff, as far as the movie goes, do you get any uh, Under My Wheels, any songs or anything? I'm stuffed on these. I'm going to have to think about them. What do you got? I. Uh, well, when she was going through that exorcism, I just could not stop thinking about Dead or Alive, You Spin Me Around. <laughs> when she's just going around and round in circles. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, what about uh, Corey Hart, I Wear My Ninja Suit at Night? <laughs> I Wear My Eye Patch at Night. I Wear My Eye Patch at Night. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 
Oh man, the five whys. I don't know if I even got five whys for this movie, but I I definitely got some whys. <laughs> oh. uh, why do all the ninjas wear eyeliner like Tammy Faye Baker? <laughs> <laughs> why? Because <laughs> because even when you first meet Lucinda Dickey, she's barely wearing any makeup, and as soon as she kind of gets the possession thing going on, she has this like dark eyeliner on, and then and Shokazuki comes to town and he's got it on. Why why do ninjas hate balls, man? I'm still trying to figure that out, man. <laughs> Is it just to show strength? I don't know, man. I can't figure it out. I mean, they got to pick them I, I up. I think so. Them, you well, if you think about it, like a, a pool ball or like a uh, or a uh, golf ball, they're they're real dense. So maybe that's you know some kind of strength to crush them, or maybe they just have some kind of other Freudian thing going on. Why do you have a a Japanese ninja exorcist who's really a Chinese guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, James Hong has played every Asian race in films. <laughs> Uh, it, it cracks me up because I was thinking that too because he's like Cantonese in real life I think yeah I mean it, it's like yeah he's he's not uh, it's, he's not Japanese <laughs> <laughs> one thing that made me really laugh was I, I, why use a smoke pellet if the person can still see you run away <laughs> whenever Lucinda Dickey and Shokazuki are, are having their little showdown and they're outside after the funeral she throws a smoke pellet to the ground and as she's running off you see her entirely run off <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't mask her or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he could see it. I guess he's a ninja. Speaking of which, this isn't a why, but a how. How does Shokasugi know exactly the amount of pressure to push two guys' heads together so they knock each other out? <laughs> <laughs> he just bounces their heads off of each other. You know, just nonchalantly walks up, and, like puts his hands on their shoulder, goes bang. I was like, man, you got to know exactly the right amount of pressure to knock two people out with their own heads. <laughs> he knows ex- the exact density and, and <laughs> force it takes. Uh, why is Arizona so infested with ninja-related crime? I'm telling you, man, because the cops are so bad. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, you figure it, just in the opening scene, they lost like three quarters of their police force. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, these cops are horrible. Worst force. If if this group of cops was chasing the bad guys from the last movie, you might have the movie that never ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and the only thing I have with that is, why did they never explain the scientists and the cop killing spree? Like, I want to know why the ninja just got a wild hair up his butt to do it. Yeah, yeah, don't know, man. I mean, he, he, he went to the bat cave or the ninja cave and uh, just suited up, and maybe that was just the closest place where there was some civilization. <laughs> it was either that or, you know, go down to the hot dog stand or something. I don't know. It's probably more exciting. Oh, man. Now, now I'm craving a hot dog. Did you ever get an upgrade there? This, mo- no, this, this, this movie needed a different soundtrack. And <laughs> <laughs> more walk a chicka walk a chicka. Man, some of these songs are just absolutely horrid, man. Uh, just well, 80s. the song that's during the, the aerobic scene, um, that song was just as good as the first one when oh, she's in the, in the, on the pole. There's, there's several songs in this movie, and every one of them are terrible. And I, I want to say, and I don't know that this is true, but I wonder if she's singing those songs, man. It sounds like her voice. So uh, that's something we I'm need. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, we need to look into that because, man, it, it, it just sounds like somebody who wanted to get into singing but just really wasn't that good at singing. And Kind of like, uh, well, that, that was going to be rude. I was going to say kind of like Tuesday Night from Elm Street 4. Or... Kind of like Don Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot he, uh, <laughs> he had a singing career in the 80s. Oh, yeah, had one song. 
Heartbeat, I think. Let me hear your heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget Eddie Murphy, man. Don't forget Eddie Murphy. My girl wants to pie all the time, pie all the time, pie all the time. (laughs) You know what's funny, though? What's really messed up about that is in a value bin one time, I found a dollar Eddie Murphy CD. And it had like 12 tracks on it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool for a dollar. I'll buy this. It didn't have that on it. it, it must. He must have put out a couple albums. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> this, this wasn't a comedy album. This was like a music one. Oh, yeah. No, no thanks. <laughs> no, as far as the songs go in this movie, I don't know the performers. Uh, it says the two of the songs, Obsession and this uh, What Kind of Boy Is This, are by Lisa Miller. <laughs> and the, then uh, Sally Zapulpa. Or no, Zapula. The rest of them, I don't know. What anything you would do to upgrade this movie? Anything that make it better? Uh, I don't know, man. It's a ninja movie. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you really upgrade in a ninja movie? Uh, I need more scenes with V eight. The, the V eight scene. <laughs> uh, I would, I would definitely take dude and you know get his back shaved or whatever. I, I think that would maybe make me pay a little more attention to some things that's going on in the movie because I'm just looking at dude going, God, look at that. <laughs> Did nobody ever say, "Hey, man, that's just uh, that's just nasty, man." Yeah, it's it's definitely really bad. Yeah, uh, but that was pretty much the only one I got. And as far as an upgrade goes, you have anything else for that? No, man. I, like I said, I I love this stupid movie. I mean, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just an excuse to make a movie and have their their new star at the time be involved in a, in another crap fest that they were cranking out. Uh, you know, it's so ridiculous that it's awesome. So, oh, it, it's great. I mean, yeah, uh, I really enjoy this. Did you get any good lessons from from a bad movie? Well, I put uh, you make sure when you're always out in the wilderness, if you're hanging around palmetto bushes, you always check the bushes for snakes, wild animals, and ninjas. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're ever in a in a position to where you're on a cop force and you're shooting at a ninja. Don't stand in a circle because that's not going to end up well. You're going to end up hurting one of your friends. Oh, that that was that was just you know, and and you watch it, and and not one of them is not shooting. They're all yeah. just unloading. Yeah, not even aiming, man. They're just just shooting. A good lesson, uh, you know, from a bad movie is actually ninjas are faster than golf carts, so get out and run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be better on foot. Because <laughs> those people, they 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 seriously were. 100% counting on the speed of that that machine that goes five miles an hour. And like I said earlier, if you're a cop and you've just slept with a girl, if you wake up and she's holding a sword, uh, be suspicious. That's just, <laughs> just a good good uh, good thing to do. Just be suspicious of what's going on. <laughs> At the very least. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have for this. I mean, uh, what would you? Where would you seat this on the bus? As far as the short bus goes. Hey man, I'm gonna put it in the front seat. As far as I'm concerned, it's driving this bus. I. <laughs> I I would enjoyment level. I would say I would put it a couple seats back. Um, not close. Not toward the middle. I think it's definitely um, a, a more well made movie than something like Samurai Cop. Like you said, it has a script yeah. and it does look like professionals were behind it in some capacity. Whereas when we did Samurai Cop, you know there wasn't a whole lot to be said as far as people working on the set. Like they had the kids painting the van and stuff. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, I would say maybe second seat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely towards the front there just because of the entertainment value of it. I may be a little rough on Samurai Cop last episode because it, it probably should be more in the middle, but 
uh, it's just I don't know, man. It's just so bad that it kind of felt <laughs> like it needed to be kind of further back, but not as bad as it gets for sure. But this one to me, man, this this really is just barely on the line of actually being a bad movie to me because, man, this thing was actually really popular when I was a teenager. I mean, we actually watched this at school. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, man. We that is uh, awesome. Yeah, the, you know, about uh, 84, 85, because the VHS revolution was so big that uh, it got to where if you had downtime in classes, man, they'd let you bring movies and watch them. And I mean, I did, saw. Did you I, bring this? I didn't, but somebody else did. We watched this. We saw Rocky Four in school. We saw Beastmaster in school. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to watch this with my classmates, man. And we loved it, you know. <laughs> and now you watch it and you go, wow, we were easily entertained. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be so cool to watch a movie like this in school because basically you're getting so many genres in one movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just a grab bag. And I think that's what I loved about it is... You know, we're, you and I are both fans of, of the Italian horror stuff because it's that same thing. You know, forget plot, forget script. Let's just show you some weird stuff you're not going to see anywhere else. And that's kind of what you can classify a lot of these movies as. Hey, show me something weird and entertain me. And that's a lot of the reason why we love these things is, you know, we talked about it having heart, but really it's just the fact of, man, it's it's got some originality to it. Even though they're ripping off, you know, Flash Dance, The Exorcist, Poltergeist, and a ninja movie. <laughs> and as weird as that is, there's some originality to it because it's just crazy. Where else are you going to see a ninja screw himself in the ground? <laughs> no, this is it. I don't think that has ever happened ever again. <laughs> Uh, where else are you going to see the V8 scene? You know, it's just not going to happen oh. anywhere else. You know? <laughs> that's uh, probably, I mean, as far as Lucinda Dickey goes, it's probably the raciest she's ever been on screen. Probably so. Probably so. I, most ever, Most every other movie I've seen her in, she's pretty, like, reserved. <laughs> right. Well, most of the other movies are the, the dancing movies, which is, you know, for your, you know, 11, 12-year-old kids that were into breakdancing, whereas this, you know, you, you've upped the age group by, I don't know, two or three years. <laughs> Well, also in a movie like Cheerleader Camp, you know, they had enough other women that were willing to just be constantly naked. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she didn't really have to do she anything. She didn't have to do anything. That's right. So, <laughs> cool, man. I love this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. Uh, you want to take a quick break and come back? Yep, let's take a break. Okay, cool. Get out of the way! Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho Semanticast. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. Neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho-Semanticast. Also known as the Psycho-Semantic Podcast. Hey, you guys! 
All right, we are back. We just discussed Ninja 3, The Domination. Hopefully you all enjoyed the second episode of Short Bus Cinema. Short Bus Cinema! Like Rick said uh, in the last episode, make sure you go and you like the Facebook page and go on there. And we love participation. Any movies you guys want us to cover, anything that we may have missed, because we're we're compiling a massive list of just – I mean, it's – what would you say, Rick? Hundreds of movies deep right now? Oh man, they're, they're, I mean, we're not going to run out of movies. We easily have, you know, at least 150 movies ready to go. But getting these <laughs> movies to even work with each other is going to be interesting. But there's a non-ending list of bad movies out there, and by golly, we're ready to take them on. Oh yeah, and and I think also you know there are so many like notoriously bad movies, but there there you know because everybody knows your Manos and your The Room and and Birdemic and all these other movies, but I'm sure there's tons of stuff that that Rick and I haven't really you know come across at some point, or even if we have, it may not be on the list. So right. I'm really I'm really interested in seeing what people bring to the table with this because you know there there are a lot of movies that someone will be like oh you haven't seen this turd <laughs> you gotta <Right>. watch this <laughs> exactly. and, I, and I love that bring we, it to us uh. <laughs> yeah we love that challenge man and that's that's what this show is all about like you said man we love to watch the movies that you hate so uh, <laughs> we try to make them entertaining even if they're not an entertaining movie. <laughs> and and I think this this show will be uh, pretty consistent too. So I, um, re- as far as releases and stuff go, so I think you know we're we're definitely going to plan on doing at least one movie an episode and and bringing something cool to the table. Yep. But uh, do you have anything else to say about Ninja Three or any other thing to add? Or you want to talk about our, our email and yep, Ninja, and everything? Ninja Three is awesome. I mean, you've you've heard us talk about it. Uh, if you do have ideas of stuff you want to share with us, like I said, we have a Gmail account, shortbuscinema at gmail.com. We're going to have a Twitter account, Instagram account. All those things will be out there, so be looking for us. Facebook account. And really, we want you to be engaged with us. We want you to be on the bus with us. Tell us what you want us to watch, because that just makes it more interesting for us as well. Because we feel like, you know, we're not just watching things because we want to. We're doing it because you want us to. And uh, that's going to be the fun of all this. We want you to be a part of it. Again, if we don't have you, it's just me and Johnny talking to each other. So join in, (laughs) be be a part of this, and let's just have fun with this thing, man. I'm enjoying it already. Well, I'm also interested in on the you know the things that because uh, you know we, we find so many like quirks and things in these movies that are just so awesome, and I'm just interested in seeing stuff that maybe we missed throughout these movies that other people have seen or can bring you know shed light on. Yep, absolutely. So <laughs> because like like you were saying the hub the, the hubcap thing, I didn't notice that, so I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Yeah, man, just bring it on. If you've got an idea of what a bad movie is, just. Send us a link to it. Let us know what it is. We'll try to get it on the show for you and talk about it. We might even mention you as the person that brought it up. Blame you for it. How about hey. that? <laughs> blame you. <laughs> this is your fault. Yeah, if it's sitting if it's sitting in the back seat of the bus, you might get a blame. <laughs> That's right. So you may get on the uh, the back seat of fame. How about that? If you don't have anything else, I guess we will see you all next time. Peace. Bust up! Bust up!